If you're in Belfast, Ireland, what does it mean when all of a sudden everything changes? This is Beyond the Call. Welcome to Beyond the Call. You know, it's interesting because 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 says, watch and stand fast in faith. Be brave and strong. Let not all that you do be done without love. Now, this is fascinating. Today, we are going to study a passage and study a person who understands what that means. Grew up in a situation where he didn't really know God. But all of the things in his life and all of the clubs he belonged to and all of that led him to the knowledge of God. I mean, God was really after John Williamson. So this is a really interesting study as we focus on in Belfast, Ireland, what would God do when so many people are fighting and being angry about the Catholics or the Protestants, or all of that? Where does God show up? Let's find out with John Williamson. A program experience delivering what God is saying to the human race today. Reading the Bible from cover to cover, we learn how God spoke to the people in the past, speaks about the future, and shows us how to react and respond to the difficulties and discovering of our lives today. Bible Discovery TV is a program hosted by the Hembry family as they uncover the meaning of God's message to planet Earth. To discover the meaning of God's Word and how the Lord is speaking to us today, visit Bible Discovery TV at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. That's BibleDiscoveryTV.com. chapter 10, beginning with verse 35 says, therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. Interesting. Verse 36 says, for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise of God. One of the interesting things is what is the will of God? Well, today we're going to find out from a good friend of mine, John. John, welcome. Good to have you here. Uh, let me ask you a question. Where are you from? Originally, I'm from Belfast, Northern Ireland. Belfast. Belfast. Wow. That's a troubled area. I mean, it's had some scenes over the years that aren't good. That's true. It was very troublesome, especially during the time in which I lived there. The troubles really started up in 1968 via Civil Rights March and lasted for well over 20 years. But 10 of those years, I lived there and uh, knew what the threat of that was and the dangers of that. But what I'm so thankful for was that during that time, just as it started, 1968, uh, was the year that I accepted the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. 
And I'm so glad I did because a number of the young men that uh, I was involved with ended up either in prison because one way or another you were uh, pulled into the political situation. But I got saved and my life took on a whole new meaning. Now let's, let's go back there for a moment because this is important for people to understand. Uh, you were living in Belfast and the gentlemen around you became involved because you're, you're born in Belfast and it's gonna right. happen. They're you're gonna be pulled into that. Uh, what was it that made you different? Did your parents know the Lord? No, they didn't. Did your, do you have any siblings? I have one sister who knows the Lord now, but not then. So your parents didn't know the Lord. You, you were growing up in that area. Uh, going to school and doing all of that. So let, let me ask you a question. Did you ever hear? I mean, I'm clear, clearly you probably did. But did you ever hear about Jesus Christ or the Lord? Well, the good thing was that all my life I was involved in church because my parents, even though they didn't go to church, they made sure that I did. So we would go to Sunday school and then not only Sunday school, but I was involved in an organization called the Life Boys, then the Boys Brigade. So my life was constantly surrounded with Christianity. I knew about God. I sang the songs. I read the Bible. I could quote scripture, but I didn't know him as my personal Lord and Savior. All right, so let me ask this question. The Life Boys and the Boys Brigade, what, what, what is that? Well, it was an organization that was built on Christianity and Christian principles. Now, they didn't bring you to the place of knowing Christ personally. They just, you know, had the hymn book, they had the prayers, they had the organization where we would go to different churches, we'd play soccer, we'd play cricket, we'd, uh, you know, have different events. You know, I played in the, uh, in the band as a drummer. Uh, so we would do all those kinds of activities, but never was it ever brought out about accepting Jesus as your Savior. So there were things that you did, but those things may have been wrapped around God and Jesus Christ. Correct. But they never really made it personal. So... How old were you when that happened, when you did make it personal? I was 15 years of age. 15 years 15 old. 15 years old. Okay, yeah. so my question is, tell me about that time when that happened, because this is important. Well, what happened was a group of guys were, after playing some soccer in the park, were standing on a street corner, and uh, there were two gentlemen that came up and gave us uh, some literature about an event that was going to happen in the community center. It was going to be like a, what we know now as a week's crusade. And uh, so I had that pamphlet, I considered it, and I was the only one out of that group uh, that made the decision to go and to check it out. Again, because my life was involved in these other organizations and not all of the boys on the street were part of the boys brigade, some of them were. And some of them later, just like myself, came to know Christ. But I went, I went to those services night after night after night. And just like being part of the Boys Brigade, I didn't come to a place of making a decision. And on the last night, I was challenged by the evangelist who was there uh, speaking the Word of God that night. Okay, so, so let me get this straight. You went to the meetings. Correct. But you didn't decide you kept it at a distance and something happened <laughs> that you did not expect. Correct. Uh, 
what happened? Well, I was confronted first and foremost, son, and I was young back then, son, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Who confronted you? Well, it was the evangelist. Uh, we were in a cloakroom and he pondered that question. It was direct. He didn't take it for granted. He asked me, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior. This evangelist was serious about this because if he, he I mean, he's one-on-one -on -one with you now. I mean, first he's talking to everybody, but now he's one-on-one -on -one with you. And he asked you that question. So what did you say? I said, no, I haven't. Then his next question was, would you like to? And I'm so glad that he asked me that question because for the rest of my life to this day, it's the best decision that I've ever made. So you said, no. I don't know him. And he said, would you like to know him? And you said, yes. I said, yes. So there you are in the cloakroom and you say yes to this guy. Now that was a big change for you. It was amazing because even though I hadn't been involved in doing much wrong because of being involved in all of these good organizations, keeping me as it were on the straight and narrow, there was still a weight on my shoulders. For some reason, there was a, a heaviness but the moment that I prayed that simple prayer of salvation and asking Christ into my heart, it just seemed like that weight had lifted off me. And then there was this flood of joy that came into my life just as a young man that even to this day, it's absolutely been incredible what the Lord has done. So the burden or the heaviness was taken off of you and the joy was put in you. And you felt that ever since you were, what, 15 years old? Since I was 15 years of age. It just felt there was like a new life. It felt like there was a new birth, uh, a new reason to live even at that young age, you know. Um, my goodness, it was uh, such a sweet experience. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to do after that was to tell as many people as I possibly could, including my friends who were on that street corner and didn't show up about what the Lord Jesus had done in did, my life. Did you tell them? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Did they Invited respond them. like you? It took them a while, but some of them did because some of them, they ended up, we worked in the same place and uh, they came to know the Lord as their savior quite a number of them, because there was about a dozen of us on that street corner. And I would say out of that 12 that I know of, at least half of them came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. My goodness, that's incredible. So you got involved in church. Yes. And how did, because this is like, for you, it's a new experience because going to church, you did because your parents told you to. Now you wanted to go to church. Yes, absolutely. So what, what you got involved, what, how'd you get involved? Well, the moment that I started going and hearing the preaching of the Word of God, uh, they asked me to do a position in the church, and that was giving out the hymn books at the door. And I made up my mind, uh, and, and this is so funny but so true, that I was going to be the best hymn book giver writer that there was. I was going to greet people and, and just welcome them into the house of the Lord because that joy was still upon my heart and upon my life. I remember being in one situation just before I went to this particular church, that uh, the one that I had accepted the Lord in, in, in the uh, uh, center, uh, when I started to attend where their fellowship was, uh, one of the elders came to me and said, look, son, you just can't be that happy in church. 
Well, I couldn't help it because there was a change in my life, and that change came about by the expression on my face. Uh, it was evident that something had changed in my life. So an elder said, you can't be that joyous in church. But I want to say, today you can. <laughs> it's good to have the joy of the Lord, you know, because the Bible has a great scripture that says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I've seen so many people, if they lose their joy, they lose their strength. But when you maintain the joy of Christ and realizing that you're not going into a lost eternity, but you're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven, that's good news. Yeah, that is good news. Now, you didn't have any training in the Bible when you came to know the Lord. No. So now you're getting the training in the Bible. And so as you're discovering the Bible, new things are taking place and happening to you. Absolutely. Well, it was like the Bible became alive. You know, the scriptures would start to pop out at you. It was exciting to read of what God was doing in the lives of others. And obviously your thought is, boy, if God can do this for these people, God can, God can do it for me. And uh, so again, you know, not only hearing the preaching from the pastor that we were under, but also reading God's word for ourselves and then reading incredible books and life stories about men and women of God that he had changed their lives who were doing incredible exploits with God's help for him. I wanted to be part of that. That's amazing. When we return, we'll talk more with John. This is a very interesting interview. The Bible Discovery Guide takes you through pages of the most important book that you will ever read. It is the Word of God. Through careful exploration and thoughtful insight, we uncover the truths presented in the Bible. For your sample copy, write to P.O. Box 150, Murraysville, Pennsylvania, 156680150. That's Bible Discovery, P.O. Box 150, Murraysville, Pennsylvania, 156680150. In Canada, write to Bible Discovery, P.O. Box 456, Orangeville, Ontario, L9W 5G2. That's Box 456, Orangeville, Ontario, L9W 5G2. Or simply go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. You know, John, uh, that's a fascinating statement that the, the gentleman says he can't have that kind of joy in the church. Yet you had that joy because God changed your life. Things turned around. You hear the teaching. It comes alive. Now, what happened after that? You got more involved with other churches, didn't you? I did. Well, even within the church that I attended, uh, I started to lead the praise and worship, take the prayer meeting, Bible study. All my training was, uh, you know, I wasn't able to go to Bible school. I would have loved to have went to Bible school. That opportunity didn't uh, happen. Uh, so it wasn't much theology for me as it was neology. 
And what I mean by that is just praying it through, reading the Bible, reading as many books as I possibly could. Uh, the opportunity came up for us to uh, come to Canada. It wasn't because of the uh, troubles, and believe me, the troubles were bad. Uh, think about this for a moment. Uh, every day when we would uh, head out, we'd have to look under our car, make sure there wasn't any explosive devices and so forth before we stepped into the car. Because again, the church that we were serving was ministering not only to the Protestants, but also to the Roman Catholics. And both were getting saved, and there were certain groups that didn't like that happening. So again, we had to be careful uh, in so that there was times we even had a threat on our life, you know, Catholics to be careful. And the Protestants were Correct. fighting. But this church was ministering to both because Jesus Christ is for everybody. Correct, for everybody. You got to check to make sure that your car is not bombed. Amen, that's right. Every day before you get into it. That's correct. And even the place where we worked, you know, we would have four or five bomb scares maybe within a work day and you'd have to exit the building and so forth. So, but I say that to say this, that wasn't the reason we left Ireland. Uh, we loved Ireland, loved the people of Ireland. Uh, we saw many great crusades. It was more political. There was just two factions in Ireland, Protestant and Catholic, and that got all of the attention. But the majority of people really grew up together, uh, had great Catholic friends and vice versa, and there wasn't the problem, but it was the political side that became the problem. But anyhow, we had the opportunity to come to Canada really as missionaries. And uh, so we made the applications, we applied, we were turned down not once, not twice, three times. And the third time on the bottom of the letter, it said, please do not reapply. Uh, you do not meet the criteria. Uh, long story, we called up the consulate. We had a meeting with the consulate general in his lunch hour, which normally would never happen. And uh, we worked out some details. They were able to fix it for us. And there was relatives here in Canada. And we got the okay and to have the immigration to come to Canada. God gave us an incredible miracle. You come to Canada and you come to Stratford. Stratford, Ontario, yes. And you get a job there and you're working and you're involved in churches again. Yes, because I believe that we need to be involved. We need to serve wherever we find ourselves because, see, success is not seeing how many people can serve you. Success is seeing how many people can I serve? And that's the problem today. People want to get to the top of the ladder, you know, but there's such a joy in learning and growing and uh, so I served in that church. Then what was amazing, we moved to uh, Orangeville. And uh, again, we were serving in the church uh, in Orangeville, even though I still had a secular job. And one of the great things that we had loved, loved to do, which was in Orangeville, uh, was cable television, uh, which was amazing. And somehow it seems like full circle that here we are in Orangeville doing this uh, program. And uh, my goodness, we're, you know, we're looking over 40 odd years here uh, of this happening and taking place. And then we moved to Brampton and, uh, and in 1985 uh, with five people, uh, God led us to uh, start a wonderful church called Faith Gospel Tabernacle Ministries. And God has have blessed that. We built our first building in 1988 and then we built our second uh, building and opened it in 2015. Okay, uh, now, now, now hold on a minute because that's there's a, a lot, lot happening. Okay, yes. let's let's go back. <laughs> you, you bought the property with five people. 
bought, bought the, we probably had maybe about 10 people when we bought the uh, property originally Four in 1985. Four acres. Four acres of land. Out in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so the city said, the, the city of Brampton said that we're not going to build out there. So you yeah. bought this four acres and you wanted to build a church. You couldn't really afford it, but you went ahead and where did you get your church, your first church? Well, what happened was I was in a ministerial meeting one day in Brampton and the United Church had a building that they needed to get off their property, 100 feet long, 24 feet wide, they were 30 feet tall. It was a large A-frame building. And the pastor of the congregation says, look, I'll tell you what, I'll sell you that building for $10. Now, we thought we could maybe move it, but there were too many electric lines and uh, overhead. We couldn't do that. So we had to strip the whole building down piece by piece. But all the material from that building, were, we were able to use it in the construction of the building that we were going to build on the property. It was a, just a miracle of the Lord. And that church is still standing today. Still standing today. That's the old church. That is absolutely stunning. Now, the new church is huge. It is amazing. And, and I'll ask you how many people you have in a minute. How in the world did you build the new church? Again, it was the will of God. It was God's direction in our life. Because even after we had built the first building, uh, I knew in my spirit that we were going to build another building uh, on the property. I didn't know when, I didn't know how it was going to come about. But in 2002, we started to consider the planning and talking with the architects and the contractor and builder. And we were praying because not only did we not have the money for the first building, we sure didn't have the money for the second building. I, I like to put it this way, Pastor Rod. It's like, Sometimes I say, God tricked me. He's wonderful, you know, because he doesn't give you all of the details. Because if we knew at the end of the project, you, you know, uh, at the beginning, we probably wouldn't have started because uh, we had in our mind it was going to talk, take about 2.5 million to build, build the building. And that was a step of faith at that because I remember the day watching the large uh, excavator coming in to do out the digging. And uh, we didn't even have enough money to pay that. We had no mortgage in place because as a church, it's very difficult to get uh, loans. It really is. And uh, so he was digging out this massive, massive uh, hole, 200 feet wide, long and, you know, 100 feet wide. And, and yet, praise God, just when we needed to make the payments, we were able to supernaturally uh, get a mortgage for uh, $2, million, $2 million because we had a lot of people out there wanted to charge us all kinds of interest rate, but a good Christian organization came through. And uh, so we were able to proceed. But the great news was, is all along the way, we would also pay as we went. And every time we need to make the payment, the money was there. Uh, God would just supernaturally provide in one way or another, because originally there was no water running into the building. Uh, the the uh, water pipes weren't uh, in place. They were too far away, but they started to build a subdivision. And as they were building that subdivision, they come to us and said, look, we'd like to run the water through your property and we'll hook up your fire hydrants and everything for free. 
And uh, so God provided that along the way. Our sewerage, which would have cost as well over $100,000. Uh, the contractors that were building uh, the new homes said, look, don't you worry about the connections. We'll make those for you. They did that. That's Amazing incredible. what God would do. God did all of this. All of it. Because he decided at 15 years old, yep. he wanted you. His divine providence. And also, I should add that uh, with the city who said that they would never build it, it's now surrounded by <laughs> thousands of houses. It's really There's something. There's a brand else. new 200-story apartment building just 100 yards from the church. <laughs> so, you know, God, even though the city said that, God knew that they would be building God it there. God knew. So you've got all, and, and the church, you've got a number of people. And during the COVID, uh, recent COVID pandemic, you burned the mortgage. Yes, that was incredible because the overall cost was 6.5 million, not 2.5 million. <laughs> and you burned the mortgage. And we were able to burn the mortgage. God was faithful and God's people were faithful. People that loved the Lord were as supportive of it, you know. And and there's so many other incidences when something needed to, needed to happen. You know, one bill that we had uh, for fireproofing in the basement was going to cost us $45,000 uh, for that fireproofing. And I had a pastor call me up and he said, uh, John, he, he says, I don't know why this is, but God's leading something on my heart. He says, I wanted to run it past you. Um, we as a church want to send you $45,000. And they knew nothing about our situation. Wow. Whatsoever. So that's just one incident of an incredible miracle of God's working in our life. But the, the best thing of all is the people that have been helped, have come to know Jesus as Savior, have experienced this healing touch in their life, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not about the building, you know. Uh, you need a roof over your head, but it's the fact that people can identify the church as a place where Jesus is. And if they come to that place, they'll experience his lovely touch. The most known, yet most underread book in the world. What is it? It's the Bible. It is known by millions, yet undiscovered by millions. The Bible is a book rich in the knowledge about us and about God. Come along with us as we explore this beautiful book full of God's wonder and discover what it really means to be human. From the first book of Genesis all the way to the last book of Revelation, join us. People determined to know what the Word of God says. For your sample copy of the Bible Discovery Guides, contact us at Bible Discovery, P.O. Box 150, Murraysville, Pennsylvania, 15668-0150. Or in Canada, P.O. Box 456, Orangeville, Ontario, L9W5G2. Or simply go to www.biblediscoverytv.com. You know, the Bible says the word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which is what we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be 
saved. What an interesting story we've heard from John. Now you may be in a place where you feel that maybe you need the Lord. Come to Jesus Christ today because he's calling on you right now at this moment. You simply pray that's closing everything out and focusing on God in heaven and say this, say, Jesus Christ, I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again. Thank you for paying the cost of my sin. I come to you. Be the Lord of my life today. Amen.